Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week, I am joined by Churches on the Disruptor Series. Hello, Lauren, Martin, and Ian. How's everyone doing today? Good, thank good. you. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You will celebrate your 10-year anniversary as a band this year, despite actually going back even further to find the true beginning of Churches. Can you pinpoint moments in the last decade that have been so pivotal to where you are right now very many <laughs> it's yeah. a big question yeah it's like literally <clears throat> the biggest of questions um, the first time we played coachella was a pretty standout moment for us i think that was uh also oh yeah also when we supported depeche mode in, in europe uh those were some scary scary big crowds and big football stadiums so uh that was like from a, a small band coming from Glasgow. That was mm. terrifying. Uh, and we grew up really quickly on those stages. Yeah, I, I think the most pivotal moment for me is literally 10 years ago. I was about to quit music because I was in band, failing bands and like go back to uni and like get a degree in something that could actually make me money. And our friend who would eventually become our manager convinced me not to and to try and write some songs with Ian so that kind of like changed the course of everything if it hadn't been for him I'd probably be a history teacher at this point I'd probably be history teacher no I'm not saying like that I'm I'm saying as in I could have got paid to be a history teacher and I liked it yeah would have been a much more stable existence in a lot of ways anything from you Lauren I mean, I don't know. I always think about like those big moments are really important, but I don't. And then there's things that you remember and people talk to you about them. But I always kind of think in the band and in life generally, it's like the small decisions that you make that change the path of where you go. Like I met Ian because he was producing an EP by my old band. And we'd been talking about two different people as well as Ian that might we might ask to do it. So if we had chosen somebody else, then I would never have met you. And then, you know what I mean? Like those little moments. Same. I mean, I am also glad of that. But, you know, it's those strange. And what if him and Martin hadn't decided that they wanted to do some writing together at that particular moment in time? Mm. What if they'd done it two years earlier or two years Mm. later? Like, life is weird. We've been talking about it for two years. (laughs) So you finally got around to it and it worked out. It was just excellent timing, I guess. So how have you guys spent the last year or so? You're working on new music. Do you have a full album? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, I've stopped pretending that there isn't an album. Like, we're not supposed to tell people, but yeah, we've made a record and it's been done for a minute, but it's not coming out for a while. But that's such as the nature of the situation that we find ourselves in. It's like, you can't, we have to take what's going on seriously and we have to wait for the right time otherwise you know it could end up going out in a vacuum or we can't tour or you know the world's not ready for for that sort of thing yet and as much as i'd love to release it tomorrow it's we're kind of beholden to when all of this corona stuff goes away you know do you think that it's harder now to release a full album versus just random singles or actually scheduled <clears throat> singles. We don't really have a ton of ex- experience outside of this band. Like the way I understand the music business is as a fan, what other people are doing and then what we're doing. And 
I don't know. I guess there's lots of talk about how albums don't uh, matter in the way that they used to, but I don't know. I think it's kind of up to people, like up to music fans, how they want to approach things. Like some mm-hmm. bands, I only listen to like one song or I will just go and find one tune. Other bands, I feel really invested in everything around it and I want the merch, I want the vinyl, I want to have the whole record, I want to see them on tour. And I don't really think it's up to us to tell people what they should and shouldn't do or how they should take things on board. And I don't think that you should create thinking about those things Mm. first, you know? I feel like you don't want to be this unrealistic person that stays in their bunker and is like, no, I will release (laughs) only albums and I'm not going to put anything on streaming. I'm not going to engage with technology. I don't think we want to do that. But I don't think you want to be the person that's like, okay, so within the first however many seconds of TikTok, that's where you need to have a hook. Like, I don't think that's a good way to create. So I think that you shouldn't be afraid of the modern world, but don't run your writing by it, if that makes sense. I mean, we're just going to make albums because we like making albums. The two things will happen in parallel, you know. There'll be single tracks from an album. And whereas before you might have, like, serviced a full record and then tried to put singles out after the fact now it's kind of gone the other way around for us at least only like drake and beyonce can drop a full record and then work it for a year like we like everyone else is the the new paradigm is you put out songs and then you put out your album then you make another one or you just continue to put out songs because that's how you feel i think it's very liberating the new the kind of era with streaming and how important it is it's like for if you if you're like oh this this collection of songs is here's four songs that i love that written in this at the same time and in the same way and i'd love them to be considered together that's okay too you know or it's like i am so interchangeable right now i just want to write one thing this month and that's another thing that next month that people can have quite successful careers doing just the same thing. Uh, it's everything's changed, and I don't think I think there's more good than bad. But we still like making records because it's where we come from, and it's there's still a romance to it. I love like putting out an album and seeing the cover and like buying into all of that aspect of it. So we'll continue to do that for as long as we enjoy it, you know. You all seem very laid back and so in tune with each other. It's very easy to just assume that you guys have never been like argued over I've a never had a fight. Or which one should be first yeah. or try. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, actually it was very harmonious this uh, recording process. It's been yeah. I guess a year a year off the road will do that for you. Like you yeah. you come to realize how much you value uh, both of these people or I uh, you know, Ian and Lauren, and like, what a how important they've been to your lives for so long. Where mm. you don't necessarily remember that if you're it's five a.m. in an airport and you're a hangover <laughs> and you're like being on tour for two years. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's I don't know. Like, I always feel like a band is kind of like this weird arranged marriage, kind of like ten years <laughs> is a long time to be in any relationship, whether it's a friendship or a working relationship. So. I think you need to work on your communication sometimes. Sometimes Mm. you all get on incredibly well. Sometimes you really don't. But we're still here after 10 years, and I think that that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's like we choose what things we want to 
be annoying to each other but you know like sometimes if you're as you say if you're you're tired and you're touring and you just sometimes you just get on each other's nerves it's just a thing that happens <laughs> but now i think we're like okay is this because i am hungry <laughs> tired annoyed about something else yeah. am i actually annoyed at you about this i feel like we're good at like psychoanalyzing ourselves as part of the unit. we're getting we're getting better at that for we're sure. getting better at it yes also this year of like in what is basically enforced introspective like <laughs> cleansing like basically a year of therapy where you've got nowhere to hide nowhere to no things to put in the way of like sorting your own head out that i think mm. everyone's going to come back to the next campaign very well adjusted and like very uh, at one with themselves when everyone's done the housekeeping and I don't mean their band I mean in general everyone that I know has done the kind of mental health housekeeping that they shouldn't should have been doing for the last for years <laughs> and way. years and years and yeah. just putting it off good that's I mean that's really positive <laughs> <laughs> yeah so maybe everyone's gonna like be be really good to each other this is how we evolve as a species I feel maybe yeah. this has brought about the next evolution of humans I don't know. <laughs> hopefully in a good way well, yeah. <laughs> he said, she said is the first single. And I think it's pretty obvious that it's about sexism that you face, Lauren. Was there a particular catalyst for the song? Or was it just time to get it out? I think it's been interesting to see how people have responded to it now the single's out in the world. Because it wasn't like when we were writing it, we thought, this is a message song that's about this particular thing. It was more a personal perspective on personal experience I think I don't know if you guys picked up on that but I did not occur not occur to me that people would take it to mean a larger thing than that until the song was actually out which is maybe naive of me but I think it's been really great to see people's responses to it and how I do feel like a conversation around a song like this is very different now than it would have been even a couple of years ago like if this song had been on our previous record I think people would have mm. responded very differently and I think it's a positive thing that there can be a specifically female vantage point in a pop song, an indie rock song, whatever it is. Like, that isn't necessarily the case a lot of the time. And I don't know that a lot of male lyricists would have to worry about, oh, is that too specifically about my experience? Is that going to exclude people from what I'm saying? Because the language of contemporary music, rock music, is male for the most part. So mm. I was a bit naive. I didn't think it was going to... I didn't understand what it was going to mean to people, but I think that that's really great if it can take take some crappy. Can you say crappy on the radio? Take some unpleasant. <laughs> You've already said the F word. <laughs> take some unpleasant experiences of of your from your life and have them translate into something for somebody else. I think that's a really awesome thing, and that's what, mm. what you would want as writers. So it's exciting. Totally. Do you feel like you're helping to shine a light on electronic music in alternative or that alternative is starting to just wake up to your sound? Uh, that's an interesting question, but because I think that uh, despite the fact we've always kind of straddled genres, even pop, I've always felt like, I mean, in Glasgow, you would call it an indie band or like mm -hmm. an alternative band, you know, like, but we just don't, We'd always gravitate. Whereas in, in the past, when we were younger, we'd play the guitar all the time, and that would be your primary instrument for for being in a band. We, 
I've always had, and Ian, no, Ian has always had interest in synthesizers. And then at, the, at a moment, we became less interested in the guitar because it felt like we'd done everything we could do in guitar bands at that point. And suddenly we were this, we had this indie band mentality, but we were making, uh, we're making music on keyboards. And I think that's one of the things that made it stand out in hindsight. You know, I, I don't, mm. I don't actually know why we're here talking to you 10 years later and why we know we're not off to working in the pub or whatever that's, it's, and it's best not to spend too much time thinking about it, but mm. the, there is definitely we've always come at electronic music from a from a band standpoint rather than a kind of dan dance standpoint, which is one kind of key distinction. This is interesting and and actually so satisfying to be recognised by alternative because that that thread has always been there, you know. Mm. So do you ever feel like role models, or is that something that you kind of try to shy away <laughs> from, even though it kind of ends up coming with success. Certainly not I me. Uh, I don't feel like a <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess we've been a band long enough that now some people that we speak to online or sometimes people that we've booked for to play shows with us and stuff will be like, oh yeah, I remember listening to churches in college and then I feel like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> but I do think that that's really, it's really cool if anybody feels like that you can pass the baton and pay it forward a bit because that's how <clears throat> I've, I felt about people I remember seeing Shirley Manson on MTV2 for the first time mm. and women like her and Karen O and Brody Dahl and obviously like Debbie Harry and things like that but I feel like at that moment in like the 90s 2000s there was these like real firebrand women and that definitely changed how I thought about certain things like I remember just loving bands but not really thinking I, it didn't even occur to me that I would slash could be in a band because you don't it was I loved all these bands that I still think are amazing but they were all dudes and you don't think about it if you don't see it you know and I think that it's really it's really great when people who have been fans of our band send us links being like I'm now in a band and I make this thing not that that's anything to do with us but if we've played a tiny part in that then I think that that's very positive and it gives me the warm fuzzies and helps me sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other guys here just not going to be role models. Leave it all well, up. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You know the, I, I, I don't spend too much time thinking about it, to be honest. I would, I'd rather not be. but And I don't think that I am. I don't think I get that kind of attention. I think maybe Lauren gets more attention in that way because she's a singer. And that's She's a she's a great spokesperson for the band and I, and I love that. So like that's I'm happy with with my role. I mean if anybody wants to look at my Twitter and do the things I do, the all you're going to do is like end up playing video games all the time and building guitar <laughs> pedals. I mean it's not the worst life. It's uh but I mean maybe go out like, you could go out and exercise or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> I think that what these guys have done with the band is inspiring to me even though I'm in it like I like the idea that somebody that discovers our band can see oh this didn't come from a big city where there was a huge music industry set up oh they didn't have people write their songs it wasn't developed in this incubator it wasn't a surefire winner like on paper our band is maybe not the best prospect to a label back in the day you know so I don't know I like the idea that 
even as we've been lucky enough to do better, there's still like an underdog mentality to what we're doing yeah. because I don't know. We scrambled over some some mountains against the odds, and I like that. I think that's <laughs> like when people come to our shows. I like the idea that they feel like they are part of this scrappy hmm. little thing, and I like that our band's scrappy. I never want us to be too shiny and too polished because it's not it's not real, you know. You're all role models for each other. Oh, yeah, nice. making everything really nice. Yeah. <laughs> we have our radiothon coming up next week to raise money for local animal shelters and rescues. Mm. Can you share some of your favorite pet stories? My dog is a, is an absolute beast. It's a horrible wee dog. Oh, she's, she's lovely, but she runs your life. Like she's, she's in charge. I never, I never thought I'd be in this type of uh, toxic relationship in my thirties. Like uh, this dog that I would, I would kill for, uh, is like running my life, and it bite me every day, chasing me around the house. What the <laughs> other day she took, she defecated on my laptop. <laughs> shall I say, literally, right on the apple. And left it there for me to find and discover. <laughs> did, did did it did it illuminate when you opened the the lid? <laughs> uh, no, I mean there was illumination of sorts. Shitty beacon. Yeah, uh, but I'm obsessed with this dog. It's like I I got it like a year ago or whatever, and it's it, it's the hardest job I've ever had, but. For whatever reason, I could now have bonded with it, so that's it. I'm stuck with it for life. She's so bad, so so bad, but whatever. <laughs> you're trying. You're getting I'm there. Trying so she hard. will at some point be at peace. She's very Maybe. very good looking. Like she's like a cute little dog, so she gets away with more. She knows she can. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool that you guys are doing that though. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Ian and I, we're both pet adopters, us, um, separately. That makes it sound like we share custody of a pet, which we don't. Uh, but yes, I got—I was one of those people that got adopted pets in the pandemic. So I adopted two what used to be small cats. They're not that small anymore. And yes, this is why I'm technically sitting in a room not connected to my house because I can't do promo in there if they're in the sassy space. It's around lunchtime they get especially sassy and it just ruins all interviews. Because they just sit on the ground. I'm like, wah, wah. I mean, I'm like, it's not helping <laughs> what you're doing. But it's been, I think it's like really good for the soul and for the mental health. Mm. And even when we were, so. we, we were making the record last year and stuff, having a little cat sleeping under my laptop oh, stand yeah. was very reassuring and like helpful. It's lovely. They don't it's know lovely. anything about rhyming schemes or anything like that, but uh, they're comforting for sure. Ian, remember your cat got stuck up a tree? Oh. <laughs> that was a disaster. We came back, come back from holiday last year, and uh, and and only to find that our cat had had run up a fifty foot tree, uh, and it was starting to get dark, and we were up at like midnight with a huge ladder trying to coax her down with food and everything. She she spent the whole night up there, the poor thing. But we got her down in the morning. I but that was a, that was a panicky night. Not much sleep that night. Like Ian, we were spo- I think we were supposed to have a band session because we were making the record at the time, and we were like. 
this is the time we'll meet up and ian was like guys i can't my cat stuck up a tree and we were like what is this dog ate my homework excuse just get the cat out of the tree what do you mean and then he sent us a video and we were like whoa okay yeah the oh, cat okay the she's tree. in trouble and there was no branches i don't know like there was a couple at the bottom and then there's just like a stretch of just trunk yeah. like i have no I think idea it's super easy for them to climb up you know because of their musculature mm. and their rear legs but on the way down because their whole body weight supporting on their front legs, which are a bit weaker, I think it's it's a different story. Yeah, poor soul. But she hasn't repeated it since, so that's good. <laughs> a life lesson. Yeah, lesson learned. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me today. We are going to listen to "He Said, She Said" by Churches right now on the Resistance.